Welcome to Puro Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by Kerry Clack, columnist, editorial board, Metro editor, Greg Jefferson, investigative reporter, Brian Chasnov. Uh, Nancy couldn't be with us this week. She's got jury duty. Um, but I wanted to, to mention uh, for anyone uh, who has not yet read the, the story, she she had a story this weekend, uh, just a heartbreaking story about uh, the Uvalde shooting and um, the family of McKenna Elrod, who was one of the, the students uh, who was killed in, in, in that shooting. And uh, it's, it's a really powerful piece that I think will, uh, does a lot to really humanize what, what, uh, what a tragedy this was. Um, I also wanted to, we're going to talk a little bit more about Uvalde, uh, as, as on this podcast, I wanted to mention uh, before we get into some other things that, um, on Thursday, the, uh, Bear County Republican party will pick the nominee for precinct three County commissioner. This is the seat that Trish DeBerry vacated so she could run for County judge. And, um, because she did it so late, um, uh, they, they didn't. They were not able to have a primary election for that seat. So the um, so the 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 precinct chairs in that part of the city, basically the north north side precinct chairs, are going to decide who the nominee is going to be. And it's going to be about sixty people are are really going to be able to to decide it. Um, so far, we've seen um, uh, Maria Lynn Bernard, who uh, was appointed to the seat. She's trying to to get the nomination. We've got former Councilman Carlton Souls in the mix. Um, we also have uh, Patrick Von Dolan, who has run for city council a few times and is probably this San Antonio's preeminent uh, right-wing culture warrior. There's also the possibility that we'll have uh, uh, Reed Williams, the former councilman, uh, running as an independent because he's, he's indicated that... Um, if the Republicans nominate someone who's an extremist and Von Dolan, I think would, would fit that definition that Reed Williams, uh, would be, I think, more likely to, to run as an independent if he felt that the, the GOP does not, um, nominate somebody who's representative of the, of the community. So that's gonna be something to watch. We should know very soon, uh, you know, how that's gonna, uh, gonna play out. I wanted to start by talking about, uh, a horrible, incident that happened last Monday. It's hard to believe that it, it happened after we recorded our last podcast uh, uh, a week ago. But last Monday night, uh, there were migrants found in a tractor trailer on the southwest side. And um, I think at last count, 53 dead. And there are many more hospitalized. Brian, you've been reporting on this story. I mean, what do, what do we know about where this tractor trailer came from? Um where the migrants, you know, where they were able to, 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 to board this and how they were able to escape detection and getting to San Antonio. So, so the sense that investigators have at this point, to my understanding is that, uh, the migrants boarded the tractor trailer. It was a, a big rig that was disguised as a produce truck, uh, probably in Laredo. Um, a lot of time, what, a lot, a lot of times what happens is, uh, you know, smugglers have stash houses where, where, uh, where these, these folks are, are, uh, are located and then they, they board the trailer and head north, uh, this time up I-35. There are border patrol checkpoints or at least one major border patrol checkpoint between Laredo and San Antonio and I-35. But, uh, a source told me last week that the smugglers were able to exploit a shift change at, at the station. Um, and that the migrants were on the trailer at the time that they passed through this checkpoint. But, uh, the, the agents basically waved the, the tractor trailer through because there was so much traffic. Um, uh, 
And, uh, you know, I also spoke with, uh, Henry Cuellar, Congressman Henry Cuellar, and he expressed, uh, the desire for more x-ray technology at these checkpoints that would be able to, uh, you know, see inside these, these rigs, every single one of them that, that pass through at this, at this stage, my understanding is that, that those resources are, are not available, that, that there are, there is some x-ray technology that is sometimes used, uh, but not for every, not for every vehicle. Um, you know, the, the reaction that we got from, um, governor Greg Abbott, uh, uh, Congressman Chip Roy and others um, on the, in the Republican Party was that this is uh, another sign of what they refer to as open borders, um, and that uh, the failed policies from from uh, President Joe Biden. So clearly, I mean, we've had a, a surge of people coming to the border in the last year and a half, and it's been overwhelming. I think to the system, and I think everyone talks about the fact that. Uh, it's kind of a bipartisan, I think, issue, the idea of, of having more resources for immigration courts so these, these uh, asylum cases could be processed faster. And um, uh, I think there, there are certain things that could be done. But when I look at this, I'm thinking, uh, and, and Greg, I'll start with you on this. I mean, my, my first thought, and this is something that's, that we've, I think we've all discussed in the past, the, if, if you really have truly have open borders where people can just walk across mm. – Freely, without any concern, why would dozens of people pack themselves into such a dangerous situation? Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I, I think we have something way less than a than an open border. I mean, I think this is this is you know this completely undercuts you know that argument uh, because you're right. I mean, why you know and a lot of you know we know. Uh, the victims of this, uh, the people who died, some of them paid as much as you know thirteen thousand dollars, which is, I mean, think about that. That's that's a huge amount of money. They did it to cross. Uh, if if they have other means of crossing more safely, why wouldn't they have done it? It's it just it's kind of an absurd argument. Yet, I mean, this was you know you within it, it was less than three hours after the discovery of this tractor trailer in which you know there were 58 or pardon me uh, 48 people on the trailer and kind of around the rear of it dead on the scene and less than three hours after that discovery I mean you had Greg Abbott on Twitter I mean no no nothing you know nothing about the humanity of it. <laughs> Nothing, no, no sign, you know, nothing about condolences, nothing like that. He just went straight at, uh, President Biden. Um, and that's, that's just the way this, this issue has kind of been handled. Yeah. And I think, Carrie, I think you, you I think you might have tweeted about this because, you know, we all remember that, um, the day after the Uvalde shooting, uh, Beth O'Rourke, who is challenging Greg Abbott for governor, uh, it went to a press conference that Abbott was holding and went up and spoke and, and, and challenged him on gun reform and Abbott and others in the Republican party said, well, he's politicizing the issue. What in light of that, what do we make of, of Greg Abbott's fast political response to this migrant tragedy? Well, it's, it's like Greg said, there, there, there were no condolences, uh, no concern for, the victims themselves or the victims' families, uh, just just totally oblivious to the lives that were lost, but went straight for the political, went straight for for blaming Biden. Uh, 
which is in- interesting. Again, you know, we understand that the problem of immigration is the problem of, of both parties and that, that but just a normal human response would be maybe my second tweet. This is my second tweet. Maybe tomorrow. But my the, the initial reaction should be just to express some humanity for the inhumanity of what happened to these people. And he couldn't do that. This is the third incident in Texas in the past 20 years in which uh, 10 or more migrants have died in very similar circumstances in a trailer that was airless during the hottest part of the year, um, gasping for breath. Um, the We had one in 2003 when George W. Bush was president. That happened in Victoria at a truck stop. We had one in San Antonio in 2017 at a Walmart parking lot when Donald Trump was president. Um, and... Uh, I remember at the time with the, with the, the 2017 one, when Trump was president, there was a lot of talk about the fact that we were seeing more uh, cases of people trying to smuggle migrants in trailers because Trump was taking such a hawkish stance on the border that people were going to more extreme links. There were there was that one tragedy, but there were also cases. I think there was in Falfurious at the checkpoint there. There were like two stops uh, in one day where they. They caught people trying to smuggle. This was, uh, I quoted this in a column I did last week because I thought it was really interesting. In When the 2017 uh, incident happened, there was an Associated Press story that, that talked about um, this phenomenon of, of people being smuggled by tractor trailer. And it said, quote, big rigs emerged as a popular smuggling method uh, in the early 1990s amid a surge in U.S. Um, border enforcement. And it's, the story said prior to that, um, that generally you had people paying small fees to mom and pop uh, operators to get them across the border. So uh, people, uh, when, when I'm not, I'm not saying that, that open borders is a solution or that uh, less border enforcement is the answer, but I'm saying that um, what we saw last week is really a symptom of, of tough border enforcement. Mm -hmm. And part of that has been title 42, which Joe Biden is, no longer wants to implement, um, but by court order, he's been forced to continue this for about 15 months. He continued Donald Trump's policy of turning people away using a public health order um, during the, the pandemic to turn people away at the border. Um, and for the past couple of months, he's been doing it uh, reluctantly, but this is still in place. And you, there have been stories about people coming multiple times to the border, not being able to make it. And we will learn more about these specific um, victims, but I think that that this is a, this is a symptom of what we're dealing with here. Um, do you want to anything that, Carrie? No, I find so well. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're going to be following this story. Um, wanted to talk a little bit more about Uvalde and and really look at the the gun issue because um, on uh, Monday. Fourth of July, um, we had another mass shooting in this country. There was at Highland Park, um, Illinois. Um, you had a 22-year-old uh, suspect who um, shot. I think I think there were six deaths and, and dozens of, of uh, people injured. Um, and I guess we're, one of the things I wanted to look at is the issue of gun reform because we recently had. Uh, uh, the passage of, of of a law, which was a, a bipartisan step to deal with with the gun issues, a, a lot of it had to do with um, multi, uh, mental health services, um, also reviews of juvenile and mental health records for those under twenty one who wanted to buy a gun, uh, closing of the boyfriend loophole for people who have committed acts of domestic violence. 
there it was a, it was a positive step, but it's I think it was very modest. Um, and I realized that for people like Senator John Cornyn, Texas Republican, who um, was was part of the team that put this together, I mean, he's getting a lot of blowback. He got booed at the Texas Republican Convention a few weeks ago. So I realized that even taking that step was was dicey for some some uh, Republicans, but. When you have these incidents where people are just spraying gunfire into crowds and killing, uh, you know, many people in a, in a space or sh- shooting dozens of people in the space of a few seconds, um, clearly something has to change. And there's been talk about um, an assault weapons ban. Um, there's been talk about universal background checks, red uh, federal red flag law. Um, Greg, when you look at what we're dealing with, and and we're still learning about the particulars of Highland Park. We're still learning about what could or could not have prevented that incident from happening. But I think we're all just like overwhelmed by the frequency. Of yeah. These I mean, that's the thing. Like, so yesterday morning, uh, you know, the New York Times headline popped up on my phone, breaking news out of Highland Park. A lot of us saw the same thing. Were any of us surprised? I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was just, uh, and it, it, it returned me to, you know, six weeks ago in Uvalde. Uh, and there's just, uh, there's, it just happens so frequently. I mean, we're in danger of just becoming numb to it, I'm afraid. And I mean, I'm, I'm just very down on the possibility of real uh, gun reform in the wake of, you know, a massacre of 19 school children and two teachers you know, second only. And, and here, I mean, you know, we're at, we're at this place in the United States where, I mean, it was, you know, it was the second worst elementary school shooting in the country. I mean, that's, I mean, do, that's do, horrific. Do, do you think that we're all becoming more numb or do you think that there is a wave of anger that people are becoming angrier? Because I, I, I'm also sensing that. Um, I mean, it, you know, I don't know how, how, how you measure that, you know, just at the frequent, the frequency with which this happens and the inability of, of the um, America to do anything about it. Stubbornness on the part of people who are saying, who are not open to the idea of exploring solutions. And just the fact that you can't, you you can't feel safe anywhere anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, who, who will not feel uh, uncomfortable going into, you know, a parade or any kind of mass outdoor setting. I mean, it's, it's, and, it's and paralyzing. To, and to bridge this, because I, I, I share um, Greg's skepticism about anything being done, except for the anger that Brian's referring to. Uh, I think, I, I, I think one day we'll look back on this and, and Uvalde will be the, the one that did it more than anyone else, if anything happens. But yeah, yes, and no one was surprised. And, and, and what you do is you're looking at the breaking news banner, you're just waiting for the number of fatalities to rise. And I think it only rose one time. And, you know, so we're at the point now where we're you know, grateful that only six people were killed. And I'm not sure that anything that in, in the in that in the latest gun legislation would have prevented this one. Uh, it, it, w- it wouldn't prevent this uh, young man from getting the gun. Yeah, at this point we itself. have. Yeah, we have no information about the gun. I mean, which is strange know, I think they just, that they have yet to specifically describe, except that it's a high-powered rifle. But they right. won't go further than that. And they don't. You know, we don't know where where he got the gun. Uh, I've seen reporting that says he he obtained it legally, but that doesn't not necessarily. In Illinois, I haven't seen Illinois. much on all the victims either. I mean, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
you know, two of the, the tenets of, of the sort of Republican opposition to gun reform in recent years have been, well, one has been that we need more, not less guns because good guys with guns can prevent these kinds of things happening. And um, I mean, unfortunately, this was another incident where there were good guys with guns on the scene uh, and just couldn't do any. And I'm, and I'm not saying that as a criticism of anyone, because when you have someone, again, spraying gunfire into a, into a crowd and, and killing people with that, that fast, um, I don't, what can anyone do in that situation? Um, so, I mean, between this, Uvalde was certainly a case where there were good guys with guns uh, on the scene. Um, we, we saw that in Parkland and Florida. So I, I think that more and more we're seeing that, particularly when you're dealing with these kind of high, high powered weapons, that good guys with guns, um, it's uh, it, it's not going to be enough. And I, and I think the other thing is that we saw Ted Cruz talking about you know, just making sure the doors were locked at schools and only have one opening and just really just sort of, you know, creating an environment where people can't get in. Well, we talked about this before. You can't, what are you going to do about supermarkets? What are you going to do about parades? What are you going to do about so many situations where people, even at schools, kids go outside for recess, you know, they, they get picked up by their parents or they get dropped off by their parents. You can't, uh, we can't wall everybody off. And you can't blame it all on, on mental illness. Uh, uh, you know, Congressman Gonzalez, Tony Gonzalez mm-hmm. yesterday, I mean, he, he tweets about, uh, the the problem of mental illness and he hopes that everyone all the representatives get the money that's due them in their district and and thoughts I want to say thoughts and prayers but he mentioned Holland Park mm-hmm. and you know, I, you know I tweeted back you cannot acknowledge a mass shooting without acknowledging the weapon without acknowledging the gun that was used in the mass shooting and that's that's part of the frustration that's part of one the um, the skepticism that Greg speaks about but also this growing anger that Brian speaks about because you've got to address that and we're not talking about taking all the guns away we're talking about a specific type of gun that's, that's you know Congress uh, Senator uh, Tammy Duckworth yesterday uh, who's uh, who's injured because she's a veteran but she talks about how the last time she heard that kind of gunfire was in Iraq because that's where those weapons belong in, in in military battlefields, not in Fourth of July parades, and not in a Uvalde classroom, not in a, a upscale Chicago suburb. And um, I don't I don't want to read too much or, or speculate too much into what the motivations of, of this killer in Highland Park were. We do know that he was a Donald Trump supporter. We do know his dad was very who ran for mayor in Highland Park three years ago is a, is a fervent uh, advocate of the Second Amendment. We don't know exactly what what was going on here, but I think we know enough to know that he's somebody who seemed to have been kind of a, a part of sort of conspiracy mongering uh, and uh, on social media. And, you know, this I, I think, again, I'm not attributing his actions to um, anything having to do with Donald Trump necessarily. But I do think that. We saw what happened on January 6th. We saw how people can be uh, brainwashed, how people can be um, can sort of lose their grip on reality and and how they can how people can be susceptible to conspiracy theories. And I would say to um, to anyone in the Republican Party who there are there are people in the Republican Party who clearly believe in Donald Trump's 
lie about getting the having the election stolen from him in 2020. But I think there are many other Republicans who know that it's a lie and they just are kind of keeping silent about it. And they think, well, at least I'm not joining. At least I'm not joining that conspiracy theory. Um, And they don't want to really make waves within their party. And I would say and again, I'm not connecting Highland Park to to this, but clearly what we're we're seeing a lot of deranged conspiracy theories out there. And some of them have to do with Donald Trump. And I think that it's important for elected officials to speak out and and show some courage and say, this is a lie, this is wrong, and and to try to uh, to, to to bring down the temperature and all this stuff. Yeah. I, I also think that the shooter in Highland Park was part of this internet subculture where where they fetishize mass shootings. Yeah. And I don't know how you stop that. I mean, now it's like a snowball rolling down the hill the more off, more times this happens. But there's definitely a, a, a dark uh, subculture of that online. Yeah. And how do we, how do you police that? Because I mean, again, you're getting into a kind of almost a minority report type of thing where you're like, you're, are you going to, how do you police people for what they're, they're saying if they haven't done anything yet? I don't know the, I don't have any answers. I, I mean, I don't know what you all think, but this is going to be a big challenge because they're, I think people are going to find as they look through this person's history that there was a lot, there were a lot of clues that something like this could happen. But what, what do you do about it before it actually happens? Well, on that note, we're going to, we're going to wrap things up for this week. Uh, hope you all are doing well. And, uh, we'll probably have some uh, news for you on the County Commissioner, uh, race, uh, next Monday. So anyway, take care. We'll be back. <laughs>